Hey, welcome to Doing Life with Ken and Tabitha. We are so pumped that you're tuning into this podcast. It has been designed for people just like you. We want to do life with you, share our wins, our defeats, our ups and our downs in hopes that you'll grow closer to God and to the people that you love in your life. Sit back and enjoy today's podcast. But before I get there, I wanted to take a moment just to invite our audience out to a live conference. And so every year in October, the second week in October, we have a special conference that we call a live conference. Mm -hmm. And this is what we say, that these three days could change the next 30 years of your life. Our goal is to try to give people at least four times Mm. the amount that they invested in a ticket. We're going to have seven main sessions this year, six master classes, three after parties, but one encounter with God. Mm. And I believe that one encounter with God is what it's all about. It's so good. AC 23. Mm -hmm. You know, there are certain things that we do every year, like as believers, like Mm -hmm. um, I fast, I I do like major fasts a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes there's certain books of the Bible I'll study, you know, there's a word of the year, but then something else that we do every year, and that is a conference. AC 23 is that conference. It's that encounter, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. where you just like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all day, every day, you are like enveloped in the presence of God, just daring to go beyond your own personal boundaries. It is amazing. And we're going to be doing a special session on marriage there. It's Mm -hmm. going to be Ken and Tabitha. um, I think we're calling it um, unfiltered. Ooh. And so you really, come. what is that like? Well, uh, you got to come. We're already unfiltered. If, if you're interested with getting more information about our conference, check out the website, mylifechurch.org. And um, you can also check it out in the show notes. I think there's a link to that as well. You got to get your tickets now because it is going to be a sold out event. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Doing Life with Ken and Tabitha. And Tabitha, we are here, y'all. We made it to another day. This is the day that he has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. be glad in it. (laughs) I am doing all of this because I want her to be alive and awake today. I'm alive. Yeah. You need your caffeine, baby. You need your caffeine. But I'm ready to go. I am ready to go. Anyway, today's segment is entitled How to Divorce Proof Your Marriage. Mm -hmm. And if you're single, listen to this segment. If you have a great marriage, listen to this segment because we're going to share principles with you. For those of you all who are in a marriage that's struggling and there's been this D word floating in your mind, you've Mm. been throwing it around. Hold on. Pump the brakes. We're going to share some things with you about how to divorce-proof your marriage. Those of you all who have a great marriage and you just want to set up some boundaries or parameters, Yeah, nobody gets married to end up divorced. Yeah, Things go down. And we want to give you some keys to help things not go down. I love this divorce-proof because it's about being intentional. Yeah. You know, when we have kids, anyone who's had kids, if you have animals and pets... You know what it is to proof your house. You yeah. know, you make sure that they can't reach the stove, get in drawers, get into poisonous things, all of that stuff. Uh-huh. We know what it's like to fireproof our house. Right. You know what I mean? You get the fire sprinklers and, you know, you you get you 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 obey all of the safety codes. Right. We can divorce proof our marriage. We can do some things up front. Yeah. That will keep us from divorce. Well, I would say that most married people need to understand that when you get married, Satan loves it for you to get divorced. Mm. Because your marriage is what really exemplifies to the rest of the world the way that Christ loves his church Mm. or the way that he loves the bride, so to say, or the big C church. And so you have a a divorce spirit that would love for you 
to hit the ejection button, mm-hmm. so to say. And so you have to be very intentional not to go that route mm-hmm. because if it's left unchecked, that's the route that most relationships are going. They say, well, I'm so in love, but that doesn't matter as the years go by. You're going to have to be very intentional to put some safety guards around your relationship so that you don't end up like half of the people that get married. 50% of people who say I do at some point will say I don't. We don't want that to be wow. you. We're here to help you on today. And we we couldn't help you just out of our flesh, but we got to go to the word of God. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get some of the spirit of God from his word. Mm-hmm. Malachi chapter two, verse 13. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read it. Tell me what you think about okay. it. It says, here is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offering mm. and he doesn't accept it with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you've been unfaithful to her. Though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. So guard your heart. Don't be unfaithful to your wife. Uh, Sweetheart, what is your main takeaways from Malachi 2 and 13? I feel like uh, there's so much. Two main takeaways. Number one, God says, I hate divorce. You know, you can almost, I mean, it was like maybe a little while ago that I read this and I remember thinking, wow, it's like I forgot that God hates divorce. You know what I mean? Like, no, God specifically says, I hate divorce. Uh Um, And that's just an eye opener for me. It's just like, whoa, because I want to hate what God hates. I want to love what God loves. God loves marriage. He created marriage. I want to love my marriage and do well at it. Uh Um, The other thing I get from this is, you know, it just very clearly says, you're coming to me. Uh You're asking, I'm paraphrasing. This is Tabitha's version. Give it, give us the Tabitha. You know, you're coming to me and you're asking me for things and you're wondering why I'm not answering your prayers. Uh You want to be successful on your job. You want to be successful, you know, like whatever you're doing, you're praying for all of these other things, but you are not tending to the thing that you you know, the most important thing, which is your marriage. You didn't vow, you didn't go to the altar and make a vow before me um, for your job, for, you know, all of these other things that you're, ooh, watch out. You didn't make a vow for all of these other things that you're asking me for, but you vowed to me. You right. made an oath before me right. to this, your 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 husband or your wife or this, you know, mm-hmm. for your husband or wife. And um, I just think that that's so important. I think, you know, that there's a lot of us who are married, that we are praying and asking God for things and believing God for things, and we don't hear any answers because... Our marriages, we're treating our spouse like crap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we're we're not nice to each other. We're not kind to one another. We're not loving each other, but we're going to God mm-hmm. and expecting him to, you know, meet our needs. That's an eye opener. I mean, there's biblical outs for divorce and biblical reasons for divorce. I think mm-hmm. we all understand that. Yeah. That's really not what we're talking about today. You know, I always call them the three A's, adultery, abandonment, abuse. Mm-hmm. Whenever those things are evident in the marriage, um, it doesn't mean that you need to end your marriage necessarily, but you definitely need real counsel and um, you have a biblical you need professional help. Yeah, you need some uh, some professional. That's not what we're talking about mm-hmm. today. And so for those of you all who've already been through 
um, a divorce. Um, you don't have to live with condemnation. I believe that God's called us to freedom. I believe that God's called us to peace. I believe you can't change Absolutely. anything about the past, but learn from Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So when we say God hates divorce, all we're saying is that we want to impart that same mindset into mm-hmm. our audience, mm-hmm. which is a biblical mindset that when it comes to divorce, mm-hmm. not talking about the biblical outs, I'm talking about my stance is in line with God that I hate what he hates. And I use the word hate because back in the day, my mom used to tell me that, you know, I couldn't use the word hate growing up. Wow. I couldn't say, well, I hate this chicken. She was like, no, you, you don't use that word because hate is such a strong word. Mm-hmm. But I can use hate when God uses hate. And he actually says that he hates divorce. I don't know if there's anything else in the Bible that he says that he hates. Well, there is in Proverbs. Mm-hmm. It says these six things the Lord hates, mm-hmm. and the seventh is an abomination to him. Matter of fact, I think I have that scripture somewhere, um, but I don't know where it is. But anyway, so there are some things that he hates. But if he uses such strong language, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I hate what he hates. Yeah. And so one of the quickest ways to overcome the temptation to throw in the towel is just to have that same passion at like, shoot, I hate divorce. So I'm going to have to figure out how to submit, to go to counseling, to do whatever I got to do to get my relationship where God wants it to be. And so we're going to give you, I think I got four keys for people today. Mm -hmm. It's not a lot. Um, How to divorce proof your marriage. There's more than this, but here's the four we want to highlight today. Number one is you got to learn to hate what God hates. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're talking about. You know, you got to learn to hate what God hates. Here it is. Proverbs 6, 16. These six things the Lord hates. Wow. A haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, and a false witness who breathes out lies. But this seventh thing that he hates is found in Malachi 2, 16, and it says that he hates divorce. Mm. Okay. And so... When we first got married, I didn't hate divorce. It was always an option. I kind of felt like if things didn't work out between us, it would be okay. I'll just move on. Mm. I didn't hate divorce. And so when things got really difficult, I always threw it in the back of my mind. I kind of twirled around. Matter of fact, I would say things like, well, I'm leaving. And I remember just being mad and just driving around two, three hours like I ain't going home because I was just, I didn't learn to hate divorce yet. Yeah, And I think you didn't hate divorce because you didn't love the word yet. Right. You didn't have this relationship with the word of God, which is God. Right. And whenever you know the word of God, mm-hmm. you know what God loves and what he hates. And then I, I think it it took some time for you to develop that. Yeah. Well, I think that's why our marriage was a mess. We've been married for 24 years. The first two years, I actually had a plan to divorce you. And when I say a plan, meaning that I had actually uh, thought about it enough to express it to my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start telling family members and friends, you basically tell them, hey, this is coming down. So get ready for it. So I told my dad, I said, um, dad, she doesn't do this. She doesn't do that. She don't do this. And my dad gave me a two letter word that was so prophetic back then. And I said, she don't do this and she don't do that. And he said, so. Mm. And that's all he said. The man never, never gave me any more counsel after that. That's all that he ever said. But I took that as God speaking to me like sometimes we make a mountain out of a molehill yeah and we like well she don't do this and she don't do that or he doesn't do this and he don't do that and sometimes we need somebody on a podcast just to say so yeah marriage is not for immature people marriage takes work and marriage is for mature people and you need to pull up your britches and you need to get yourself together Mm. and figure out how to get your marriage into the winner circle and so for me because i had a plan to divorce and i was like well i'm gonna leave her and i'm gonna find somebody else Um, I didn't hate divorce like Mm -hmm. I should have hated divorce. It was something that I meditated on. I contemplated it. 
I would threaten it. And um, I think we just need to remove divorce as an option. Absolutely. Any suggestions on how to do that? Um, I think, again, just understanding the word of God. I think marriage is something that a lot of people get into, but they don't even know what marriage is. Okay. They don't even know that marriage is a covenant, yeah. not between you and the you know the man and the woman. Yeah. Yes, it is, but it's also God. There's yeah. a third person, a part of this covenant. For it would mean nothing if it was just a word. I mean, it's something if it's a word between a man and a woman. But when yeah. you add God in there, yeah. like you said yes to God, yeah. when you said I'm going to be with him or her for the rest of your life. A lot of people try to bring a third person into their marriage, but it ain't the third person you should be bringing <laughs> it's into not the marriage. God. Yeah. The third person you need to bring into your marriage is the Holy Ghost. Come on from Bible. Amen. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think just, I don't know if we, ha- there's a weight on the covenant of uh-huh. marriage or even a respect on marriage okay. the way that it used to be. You know what I mean? Not or just the way it used to be, the way, the way it, it should, should be. be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, God, marriage is God's idea. Right. He created marriage for the man and the woman, uh-huh. you know? Um, and it's such a beautiful story. And, you know, when I read Genesis, the Bible talks about how he created man. He took the dust of the earth and he shaped the man uh-huh. and he breathed into him the breath of life. Uh-huh. And then the man became a living being. Uh-huh. He created man and woman in his image and in his likeness. Uh-huh. He had the man. He took um, he put the man to sleep. Uh-huh. And from the man. He took, the Bible says, the rib. Um, We can argue about what that is, but he took something from the man or from the side of the man, and he used that and created the woman. And, And Adam, the man, looked at the woman and said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. For this reason, a man shall leave his wife, leave his mother and father and be united with his wife. And what God brings together, no one should separate. I mean, it's like a poetic story. It's so beautiful, but that's the, you know, God created marriage. And when I know that and understand it, I begin to respect it. Like this isn't just something like, oh yeah, if you want to get married, go get married. No, God intended, you know, he was intentional with marriage. So anyway, I think um, just having a biblical understanding for marriage will really help a lot of us. Yeah, and I think that we need to stop um, using the word divorce so loosely. Matter of fact, I would challenge our audience that if you're married, take the word divorce out of your vocabulary. Yeah. Don't it's almost like it. one of those Don't cuss words, like be careful how you use that and when you use that. The first marriage that I ever did was to um, for Neil and Melanie Geiswhite. This was about ooh, 16 years ago now. And um, they had both been married before and they were in their mid 40s when I did this this wedding. And um, I'd never seen it done before. I'd never seen it done since. But in the middle of the ceremony, you know, where people come up and they sing some Luther Vandross or they come and they do the, the unity candle or they do the, the, the sand, the unity sand. They decided in the middle of their wedding ceremony to go get the family dictionary hand in hand. They put the dictionary on the podium, on the altar, hand in hand. They turned to the page that had the D's and they looked for the word divorce Mm -hmm. and they grabbed scissors hand in hand and they cut the word divorce out of the family dictionary as a symbol that this will not be a word that we use. Mm -hmm. And I always share that story because I believe that 
many married people, you need to do the same. Yep. That is the low hanging fruit. Well, I'm out of here. I'm, I wish I wouldn't have married you. I'm going to go somewhere. No, you, you got to begin to hate what God, mm-hmm. you are a child of God. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in God, do whatever you want to do. But if you are a child of yeah. God, I want to hate what he hates. And you need to cut the yeah. word divorce out of your vocabulary. Stop thinking about it. Stop um, meditating yeah. on it. Stop considering it. You got to find and another way out. the fact that we just said, the fact that you know God hates it. Right. I'm not even going to say it out of my mouth. I'm not going to threaten you with it. I know that that displeases my father. 100%. And I think, you know, I tell people now, don't come telling me you want a divorce. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about if there's been adultery or something like that. Don't come telling me about in, in reckless You don't difference. like what they did. Or it just means they get on your nerves or they don't do what you want them to do. I say, don't tell me you want a divorce unless you've read at least 100 books on marriage. You've listened to at least 100 podcasts. You've went through marriage counseling for three years, personal counseling for two years. Don't come telling me you want a mm-hmm. divorce. And I know people will say, well, I ain't got the money to do that. I mean, people make up all kinds of reasons to deflect. I'm not saying that in a literal way. What I'm saying is that many people, I say, your marriage, you want a divorce? How many books have you? Well, I've never read a book. I never went to a marriage conference and I just now found your podcast and I listened to one and a half episode. You ain't, don't even talk about divorce yet. Mm-hmm. You're not willing to put in the work. And so many times we want something for nothing. And the, and the hero of the home has to be the person that says, you know what? This is going to be hard, but we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to raise my mindset. I'm going to raise my love set. I'm going to raise the the way that I communicate. I'm going to raise and, and we're, we're some kind of way I'm going to figure out what to do yeah. because there's answers all the way around. Mm. This podcast is one of those answers. Like if you really are serious about a divorce, I would challenge you before you go get a divorce to listen to every podcast we do to the place where you could almost preach it back to me. Yeah. And I guarantee you when you do that, God will use it to change your heart. You won't even want a divorce Come on. No but anyway, number two, how to divorce proof your marriage will become become a healed and whole single. Mm. Okay. Become a heal. We have, you know, we've been talking to married people. Um, we talk to single people. And the best way to divorce proof your marriage is not to get married. I'm just playing. <laughs> the best way to divorce proof your marriage is to become a healed and whole uh, single person. That's so good. Yeah, because um, you know. When we got married, that's probably where, I mean, in my opinion, that's where most of our problems came from because I was depressed uh, when we got married and I wasn't whole in myself. I mean, I was a new believer. Uh Um, There was a lot of junk in my trunk. And um, so the first few years of our marriage, I was overcoming depression. I was going to therapy. I was um, just trying to, you know. And I was more like still into other women. And just interested still. I hadn't shut that. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of guys, they get married and all of a sudden you got a ring on and it's like, oh my God, I, how do I transition over yeah. into monogamy and to faithfulness and yeah. stuff like that? And that's why premarital counseling is so important. But I, I cut you off a little bit. Go ahead. Um, yeah, but I was just saying, so if I, I don't know, our marriage would definitely had been different uh-huh. if I was healed in whole right. before I got married. Right. Tell me what you think about the scripture. Second Corinthians six fourteen. it says, don't be unequally yoked together mm-hmm. with unbelievers mm-hmm. for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness. What sticks out to you about that? 
Um, probably, you know, just not being unequally yoked. Uh-huh. I think when it comes to marriage, especially, you know, when you're single, uh-huh. um, you know, we look for a spouse, we're uh-huh. looking for, you know, someone to be with for the rest of our lives. And if we are a believer, I think there's different ways that you can be unequally yoked, but in spe- specifically in being a believer, uh-huh. if, um, someone doesn't believe the same things that you believe, that's being unequally yoked. Well, I hear it like, don't marry an idiot. I mean, if I was to give you the Ken Clayton translation of Second Corinthians, well, you can 6, say 4. it like that too. <laughs> That's a much more simple way to say it. Yeah, I mean, one of the best ways to divorce-proof your marriage is don't marry an idiot. Yeah, don't be a dummy. But no idiot looks like an idiot offset. Uh-huh. Nobody comes in like, "Hey, girl, what's your name? I'm an idiot." Nobody does that. Right? Hey, can I get your number, girl? They're I'm trying their best. Oh man, they putting on, on, on all the front. Mm-hmm. And so you have to go to Scripture and say, "It says, don't be unequally yoked." together with unbelievers. That means, let's break it down, that as a saved person, you should not be dating somebody who's unsaved, mm-hmm. period. Period. Real, you know, people believe in missionary dating and it's like, I marry him for, I like him for his potential. Mm-hmm. I'm believing God that he gets saved. Okay, no, you're standing in front of God or you're trying to do the work of God and better yet, what you should do is just back off, let God deal with that person, pray mm. for them to get saved, but don't try to get emotionally intertwined, right. dating, hoping that that person gets born again. That's not wise. But I don't take the scripture just to just to mean a, a saved person shouldn't be dating an unsaved person or married right. to an unsaved person. And if you're already married to somebody who's unsaved, that's a different topic for a different day. But I also believe that this pertains to people who are unequally yoked with another believer because yeah. not all believers are made the same. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Not every Christian believes the same. Not everybody who has said Jesus is Lord actually allows him to be Lord Mm -hmm. in every area of their life. And I don't want to be yoked together with somebody who doesn't have my same faith, who doesn't have my same perspective, who doesn't like my same anointing and oil, that we're not going the same way. I don't like it that I don't want to get married to somebody who wants to go to this church and they go in this direction, but that just drains my life. But I really want to go over here where I get fed. I don't want to be unequally yoked Mm -hmm. where there's this tug of war in my house for the rest of my life. I want to find somebody who has similar passions, similar perspectives, similar callings on our lives. And so we don't want to be unequally yoked. That's so true. I mean, we, (laughs) as pastors for the last 16 years, is it 16 years now? Um, We've seen so many people um, get married Mm -hmm. Um, and or get engaged to people who um, for they seem great. Like you said, there's not idiots stamped across their forehead. <laughs> um, but a little while after being married, um, they just want to go to a they slow. First, they stop coming to church. They yeah. stop serving. Right. They want to go to a different church. Then they're not in church altogether. They pulled you out Let of church. Tell but you now what, they don't go to church Let at me all. tell you what to do. Jump off of that train. But unfortunately, if your emotions are so intertwined with them, and I just, we started planning our wedding, it's hard to jump off a train oh, that you see goodness. it's about to wreck. Yeah, yeah. But you well, can't get off of it. You, you, you like someone enough that you said, I do. Yeah. They, at, they, they did the proposal, the family members all around, you're wearing the ring, everybody's celebrating. Now you go to premarital counseling and in premarital counseling, your counselors are telling you this person is a mess. 
and you know they are a mess, but you've already said yes. You already had, you know, like you're making all of these plans. Oh, Lord. Red flag, yeah. red flag, well, red flag. We really encourage people to go through, go through premarital counseling before you get engaged. Yeah. Because it's a lot easier to go through premarital counseling and treat it as a discovery mm-hmm. step and then discover some things you didn't know before instead of having to give a ring back and go through that. It's just hard for people to do that. And there's a percentage of people that they should have said, um, do I more before they say I do. Mm -hmm. I really believe like the premarital season should be a discovery season where you're saying, do I? Mm -hmm. So before you say I do, you should be saying, do I? I? And not enough people are saying, do I? Mm -hmm. They're rushing into I do. And I believe that there is a lot of people who say, I do, that later on say, I don't, because they didn't say, do I, before they said, I do. Now, that is a mouthful, but it's so true. And so how do we do that? I should have called this segment, How Not to Marry an Idiot. Um, But for me, number one, don't be pressed. And we talk about being pressed like you got to have somebody. Well, I'm 40, I'm 45, I'm 50. You would much rather be single and satisfied instead of married and miserable. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you do that? Look for the red flags, Mm -hmm. right? And I think, you know, look for the red flags, like you said, but the premarital counseling, what that means is another thing for that is just having people in your life Mm -hmm. that can like see your blind spots, like, you know, go out with other people, go out with your friends, have them, you know, talk to people, other saved people, other saved people, believe what you believe, like put a preface around that, all of that. Um, But I think sometimes, you know, it's just. We think the person is great, uh-huh. but no one else, none of your other friends were know him right. or her. Uh-huh. And um, I think if we allow that, it, uh, allow them to talk to the other people in our lives, they, they can really see our blind spots. Yeah. You know, I, and, and you said about premarital counseling mm-hmm. and your premarital counselors see this. You know, many times I believe, especially at our church, when you come through premarital, the counselor's probably trying to be nice. Yeah. So I don't think they're like pointing out, oh, these are all the problems. No. But when you sense some hesitation, like, okay, so you believe what? And you want to do what with money? And you want to have kids and you don't want to have kids? That should be a red flag. Yeah. You got to be sensitive enough to say, do I? And like really look at the conversation instead of being so head over heels in love that I'm just going to ignore because that comes back to bite you later on. So what are red flags? What are red flags? Red flags are going to be like those things that are like, check, watch that, watch that attitude. Mm -hmm. Red flag, red Mm -hmm. flag. He hasn't, okay, he's been at three churches or he's never been in church before. He's never been submitted to any level of authority. Mm -hmm. And anytime there's any level of authority, he rebels against that authority. That might, listen, you don't want to be submitted to somebody who's not submitted to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Red flag, red flag. Well, like, or look at people like, who are their friends? Who are their friends? You, If you tell me your friends, I can prophesy your future. Uh-huh. Who are your friends? I want to meet your friends. I don't want to know what kind of job they have. What church do they go through? What kind of relationships are they in? Red flags, red flags, because when you see their friends, you can tell a lot about who that person is. Mm-hmm. What else? Mm-hmm. Red flag. Um, red flags. Uh, what is your job status? Can you keep how job? many jobs have you had in the past right. and how long have you had your current job? Right, right. What is your, because you can tell a lot about a person of how they handle pressure. Mm-hmm. That's why we give resumes and do experience. interviews. 
That's what we should do. We should tell single people that when you start dating somebody, pull their credit mm. and look at their resume. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an interview. If their character I'm witnesses. Playing. You know what I'm saying? But I'm serious. Uh, yeah, I'm I know. Down. I know. But they, that's why we do these things, because we're looking for your character. Can I trust you to show up? Right. Can I trust you, you to know, be loyal. To, to be loyal, to keep your word, Yes. to not lie, to not have a burner phone on the side. Like, I need to see some fruit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Of you know your ability to go through different seasons and and and, and still Will come you out. Pay your bills. What do you do with your money? Uh-huh. What are your credit cards? You know, like we need to know these things. So that is a word. It testifies of your get their resume, check their credit, and run a background check. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, number three, surround yourself with godly and healthy married couples. Mm-hmm. If you want to divorce proof your marriage, you need other healthy married couples around you. Yeah, I think there's a temptation. When I first got married, mm-hmm. I didn't know any married people. Right. And it, when I did know some married people, some of them wasn't happy in their marriage. Mm-hmm. So we had to be very intentional with going out and saying, we want to find fruitful married couples that we can glean some things from. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. We found a couple that we liked the fruit in their life. And we just said, hey, can you mentor our marriage? Yep. And we wasn't very needy, but I feel like every married people needs relationships, not just with single people. We're not saying you got to cut off people from your life necessarily. You might need to do that. But what we're saying is that you need to find some other people that you can glean from. Mm -hmm. There's almost like, it's almost like an environment. It's Mm -hmm. almost like the law of, you know, it's almost like Lot's wife, she pitched her tent towards Sodom Mm -hmm. and that's where her heart was. Mm -hmm. So if you're married, but you're pitching your tent towards what all your single friends are doing, how they still got freedom and they still, that's where you're going to want to be. So you now have to shift some of the relationships and be intentional about it. Anything on that one? Uh, That's the word that I was going to say, intentional. Intentionality. Mm -hmm. It's intentional. One way you can do that is get a part of a great um, church, jump into married people, small groups. Yeah. Lead your own married people small group. Mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't once a week, once a month, just get married people together. Go bowling. Somebody just bring married people together, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, like my personality, I'm an introvert. So I kind of really like being alone. But even though that's what I really like, I know that I still need people in my life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even in, you're an introvert as well, but you still like a good party. You know what I mean? You still like a good party. So it's kind of like what we would do is young married couples. Okay, Friday night, we're all going bowling. So we just invite married couples, meet us at the bowling alley. We go do it or the movies or, you know, whatever we do. You mean before we were pastors? Yeah, before we were pastors. Yeah, Yeah, we were the the serial... Weekend we always had a party, and every, I love every weekend. to like yeah, have cheesecake a party. factory every oh weekend. Going to the park, playing yeah. basketball, get, doing a picnic. You know what I'm saying? Every, Christmas, yeah. you know, we're you know, all the time. Right. All right. And number four, how to divorce-proof your marriage would be put Jesus at the center of your relationship mm. and build everything around him and for him. Now, you guys hear our testimony quite a bit on how you were healed of twelve years of depression. Yep. Um, you're now, um, you've been healed of breast cancer, two years cancer Amen. free, to God be the glory. Um, how our marriage was headed for divorce. Mm-hmm. And so um, now we're best friends and we get the honor of being able to pay it forward and share marriage principles with people around the world. And even though people will see our success, it's important for them to know it's not magic. Mm. It's not like those things happen overnight. 
Jesus is at the center of every story. Amen. And I realize that there are people who watch our podcast. I see you from the Middle East. We see you from Africa. We see you around the world. Different religions are tuning mm-hmm. in because of the principles that we're sharing that works for everybody. But the center of where we get our ump from is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he is the one who holds us all together and releases the power of God. Because without that, we wouldn't have been healed. Our marriage was still before divorce. I don't care. You can take all these principles, but without God being the glue or the launching pad over, I, I don't think we would have made it. I don't think we would. We would have definitely made it. not. I mean, I wouldn't be alive today if it weren't for Jesus. So I think um, you, you definitely need the Jesus in the center of all of it. So our springboard scriptures, Matthew six thirty three. Mm-hmm. it says, seek first the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Mm-hmm. That has been our family's mantra. Yeah. And we want it to be yours too. Well, you know, as husband and wife, uh-huh. you know, you, <laughs> I feel like I interrupted you, but as husband and wife, I just thought about keeping Jesus in the center. Uh-huh. Something goes down, you run to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Something goes down, I run to Jesus. As long as we're both running to Jesus, we're off. We're, you know, we're facing the right direction. Yeah. He's going to bring us together. We're not going to get too far off. Wow. I think that's the key. Yeah. As long as we keep Jesus in the center. Yeah. We need the power of God in our marriage. Why? Because God was the creator of marriage. And it's only God that can bring us together and mm-hmm. help keep us together. Mm-hmm. And I realize that there are a lot of people who do not believe in God that are married. Mm-hmm. They need to know that they are in a ministry but they don't really have a supernatural grace for it. Mm -hmm. And I realize that there are a lot of people who love God, but they don't know how to keep their marriage together. It's because when you're a believer and you get married, the devil puts a a target on your back. He wants to destroy your your relationship with one another because it could hinder your relationship with God. And so as a believer, there is a level of warfare that a non-believer doesn't have to walk in mm-hmm. because Satan will leave them alone because they're already doomed for damnation, mm-hmm. so to say. Mm-hmm. But for us, he wants to make a mockery of God. And that's why you have to take the word of God and climb your marriage out of a pit into the place of purpose where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And we can do it all. It doesn't matter how bad your marriage is. I talked to some people. I know somebody who got divorced from their wife. And then got remarried, then got divorced again, then got remarried. Then on the third time, they found our church and they got remarried to each other for the third time. What I say that to say, don't tell me it's too hard. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. You just got to invite God into your relationship and say, Jesus, take the wheel on this. I can't do it without you. And I've seen people get divorced, get remarried. I've seen them go through infidelity, but learn to trust again, because when the power of God is there, there is absolutely nothing that's impossible. For with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. All right. And so we're out of time for today. We hope that you enjoyed today's um, broadcast. We love you guys so very much. Um, How about this? Don't give up on your marriage. Okay. Why don't you put your marriage in the hands of God and say, God, I give you my marriage and I give you all of me. I would love to pray a prayer of salvation. Knowing Jesus is not hard. It's just saying, you know what? I'm a sinner and I surrender my life to you. You don't have to be a perfect person to be a forgiven one, but you do have to surrender. And so wherever you are, if you could pray this prayer after me, if you're driving, you don't have to close your eyes, but by faith say this, Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. Say this, Lord Jesus, come into my heart today. 
forgive me of my sins. From this day forward, I'm yours in your mind. In Jesus' name, I am saved. We believe after you said that prayer, it is the birthplace of every miracle that God wants to do in your life. Welcome to the family of God. You've been born again, which in the Greek means born from above. You're now seated in high places with Christ Jesus and Christ is seated in your heart. We would love to hear from you. If you prayed that prayer, we want to celebrate you because today is your spiritual birthday. We love all of the feedback we're getting from you guys around the world. It encourages us. Just know that we're praying for you and we want you to pray for us, me and our family, especially for this one. She looks sleepy today. But I tell you what, we um, are going to continue to bring you content that's life-giving. If you're new to our podcast, hit the subscribe button and uh, you'll be the first to get the content every Thursday at 3 p.m. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to Doing Life with Ken and Tabitha. We'll see you next week. Peace.